gospel is a very particular word or kind of speech in the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, the gospel is God's promise of a son who will crush the serpent's head, forgive the sins of his people, raise them from the dead, and give them everlasting life solely on the basis of his grace for the sake of Christ. If you're interested in the, the beginnings of the church, you know, I think looking at the creed is a great way of, of getting into church history and really seeing where the faith kind of came together. In the scripture, the way it presents discernment is actually the skill that you develop where you're able to identify goodness. And what was surprising to me is that is much the way we use the language of discernment outside of the church. The real difference, I would say, like what patriarchy teaches versus what we should believe is that what they believe about the nature of men and women, that there is something fundamentally different about authority and submission between men and women. And that's not just like within particular relationships, but men and women in general. This is their nature. What are the duties required in the Ninth Commandment? The duties required in the Ninth Commandment are the preserving and promoting of truth between man and man. The Gospel never tells us something to do. The Gospel tells us about something that's been done. Hi, welcome to Theology Gals. This is Colleen Sharp, and Rachel Miller is my co-host, and we're going to talk about some aspects of friendship today. Um, I did a post in our Facebook group and kind of did a, a survey, an informal, informal Theology Gals group survey about friendship. And I wanted to kind of um, lay out why I wanted to talk about this before we, we dig in. Um, for quite some time, the Theology Gals admins have had some concerns that that maybe online life um, is of greater importance than than real life. And um, let me say, I understand that for some of you, you have young children, maybe you live in a new area, maybe you don't have any real life friends. And so I completely understand that. But we also want to talk about, you know, if you are in that situation, how can you cultivate friendships? Why it's important to have real life friendships. So I was listening to a podcast, can't tell you the name of it, never listened to it before, but sometimes I'll see a podcast title and I'll listen to it. In fact, I think when I dug further, I think the guy that does the podcast, which I can't remember his name, I think he's a kind of a self-help guru, which I never listen to anything like that. But he had the psychologist on talking about friendship. And I just thought, hmm, sounds interesting. And one of the th- things that they said is they, they were referencing some surveys, some, I think it was by Psychology Today or some, something like that. And they said within this survey that I think it was 25% of um, adult Americans, something like that, said that they do not have a real life close friend. And they said that that number actually goes up with millennials. So that's why I did kind of an informal survey in our group. Now, I kind of had hypothesized that, um, that Christians probably 
have a higher percentage because we have the church, we have this community. But in my informal survey, there was actually quite a few uh, women that really are struggling to have real life close friendships. And I've had women from the group come to me, or we have a post in the group talking about it where they'll say, you know, it's, it's hard to make close friends as I've become an adult, as I have young children. I, I can relate to that when I was, I had one child and pregnant with my second and we moved across country and, you know, it's, it's hard. And so they said though, that the pandemic and COVID and just kind of the way that life has changed has made that even more difficult. And they talked about online relationships. So a lot of these people that don't have the real life um, relationships do have online relationships, which I am definitely not downplaying online relationships. Rachel was my online friend before she was my real life friend. And I have a lot of people that have become close friends. But they were talking about some of the things that this only having online relationships, maybe some of the negative effects of that. And I, I think I can't imagine anyone says, I don't want real life friends. We want, we want real life friends. There's, there's much benefit to that. So I wanted to talk about that, just not, you know, the importance of friendship. And we will kind of end with, you know, what do you do if you're in this situation? You're like, I, I don't know how to make any real life friendships in my current situation. We'll, we'll talk about that too. So, you know, even before the pandemic, um, many of us were struggling with, you know, connection and with finding time and, you know, scheduling with others. And, and certainly with the pandemic, it's become even more difficult for many of us. It, it takes a much more, you know, intentional amount of time and effort to, to reach out and, and make friends. And so, you know, we're not, we're not at all downplaying any of the difficulties here. Um, it's it's real, and you know we just want. And this is you know again this is encouragement. This is not at all you know like a lot of times when we're getting the things that's you know the scriptures encourage us to do this, and we you know it's right to do. It. This is much more just you know two two uh, middle aged women encouraging other women about how to have friends, right? Like it's it's really just that. Um, hope you don't mind me calling you a middle-aged woman with me. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you're younger than me, so if you call me that, yourself that too. I guess I'm okay right. I do. <laughs> I figure at this point, forty-five, it's got to roll with it, right? Um, I also wanted to say, like with with online friendships, like even with our our friendships that are people that we met and that we know not through um, through the internet originally. Um, you know, there's still the, the difference between the friends that we see every week or regularly, the friends that live places that are far away. And so we only get to call or chat uh, or text. And and same thing, I think, in the other direction with, with online, that we have some friendships that, you know, are just very surface level, very, you know, we... You, you like their posts on this or you leave them a note with that and others that develop into something more, more deep where you call and visit and, you know, get a chance to, if you're close together to see each other in person. And I, you know, so I want to say that I, I don't really want to draw a hard line between, you know, the, the people that we know and who have met us in person and the people that we've only ever, you know, talked to on the phone, right. Cause 
those are still very, can be very real friendships um, where, where people are, are very involved in your life and, you know, where you're, you're regularly talking and visiting and encouraging and, and hoping to be able to be in person at some point, you know, the, uh, you know what I mean? Like, I think I feel like there's, there's a lot of different gradations here in what we're talking about. I, I would agree with that. And one of the things I think too, because there's so many different ki- kinds of friendships. So my, my two closest friends, I don't see them very often, but they're both friendships that I developed in real life. Um, you know, we, we lived near each other before online friendships <laughs> were a thing. And I don't see them as much now um, because we live across the country, but Right. Um, and I have those two. One of one of my friends that I hadn't spent spent much time with in real life, and then I spent some time with in real life. She said to me, "I'm not accustomed to things like your facial expressions, you know, and you don't even think about um, right some of that, right, or uh, your idiosyncrasies and things like that, you know." Yeah, because you don't see them, right? Um, I actually was really, we've talked a lot about how nice it's been to have the access that we do have online with being able to see family and friends that live distant, especially through the last couple of years and the challenges of getting together. Um, it's been a real blessing to be able to, you know, to see my cousins and my good friends and people that live quite a distance from me. Um, but, you know, it's nice to have that, that other part of touch, that other staying in touch um, other ways of staying in touch. I think the point that I would like to make throughout this is not that those online or relationships or people you don't see as often, um, aren't important. They absolutely are important. You can sometimes you, you have a, a, a bigger pot to shop from and find, Mm -hmm people that you can really relate to because of our online communities. Um, But I think in this, in that podcast I listened to that, that they were talking about is when it's done at the expense of any uh, real life relationships, there are situations. If you, if you go through something really, really hard um, you're going through just something devastating. So maybe the loss of a loved one or something like that. There is something very, very important about your close friend sitting with you and holding your hand while you, while you cry. Right. Um, there's, there's something very, very important about that. And, um, there's something, if you're going through that hard time and maybe you're a young mom, there's something very important about your good friend coming and saying, hey, I'm going to watch your kids for the afternoon so you can just go out and have some time. So there are things like that that are that are so important. I can think of, you know, we didn't have Facebook when my kids were young uh, and, you know, so things were were different, but there's something wonderful. I'm sure you can relate to this about calling your friend and saying, Hey, do you want to meet at the park this afternoon? I just want to get out and it'd be good for the kids to run around. And you sit there with your friend and you talk and your kids are running around. There's something that's special about that. And 
and for your relationship too. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's just, it's, it's an additional, like that, this one other type of relationship, this people that can come and sit with you. Like you said, the people that can, you know, bring you a meal and, and hold your hand, the ones that can go with you to an appointment because you're nervous, the ones who can, um, you know, watch your kids or, um, check in on you. There's just some, some things that can only be done well in person. And so, you know, it's, it's great if you can cultivate a few really close to people like this, that you, mm-hmm. these are people that you can go to for the, the really hard things in life. Two, if you think about it, I had thought about this example. If you, let, let's just say you're having some marriage troubles as, as an example, or a young woman's having some marriage troubles. There is something very specific about the help that somebody that knows you in real life can offer. Absolutely. Um, maybe let's, I'll just make up. Let's say I'm a young woman and I'm having some, I'm just not getting along with my husband, but maybe that person has been around me and says, but you were snarky with him all the time, Colleen, you know, or something like that, where she's, she's there in real life to kind of see us interact and can probably offer some very um, specific counsel that maybe somebody that doesn't know us in real life would be able to offer. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned in the, the podcast that the, that you listened to that, the that the difficulty with finding a close friend or not having close friends, um, increases with millennials is that what you what they said yeah what that millennials have less um real life relationships they have online relationships but they um have less real life relationships than like um our generation yeah it's interesting because i mean that's that certainly fits with what um you know, anecdotally, what people have told me, like people I know talked about it with me, um, who are, you know, just that little bit younger than us. Um, I saw something on, on Twitter recently where a guy was saying that he was not convinced that anyone over 40 has friends. And I was like, you know, it's really, that's the opposite of what I've, what I've heard, what I've noticed, you know? Um, I think, I think you're right. I would say that a lot of my peers, both you and I, have um friends that we've been friends with at least 20 years Mm -hmm. um where we have a lot of long-term relationships some not not all but some millennials that i know have said to me i wish i had a friendship like that and so um millennials are the first generation to have the internet their entire lives so you know they grew up significantly different than than we did. I didn't have the internet when I was little, for instance. Yeah. Um, and this is not a pick on millennials. This, this is no, really just not uh, at all. We've noticed as people have talked to us about, and it's, in, it's kind of the generalities of, of, and what we're seeing in, in studies about who is n- noticing these things, who is saying, you know, Hey, I wish I had friends that I don't have. And, and I'm sure there are, again, many people who have very close friends. So, but for those of us who have times when we've struggled and, I know for me, it was hardest when my kids were really little because it was just hard to get out. It was hard to get all of us out. It was hard 
it was just hard. I was tired. The kids were little. Yeah. It was just rough, you know? Um, so what are some of the struggles that you've come across in, in finding good friends? What do you think? It, well, so I, I did talk to several girls in our group. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I will say, I will um, maybe share some of the common things that I, that I heard from mm-hmm. them. And one of them is what you just talked about, Rachel, when you have young children, it's, it's really hard. Um, you know, I, I remember when my kids were young and the, maybe the ladies at church were doing a get together one night. And I, I liked my time with my husband when he wasn't working. So it's hard for me to say, Oh yeah, I'm going to mm-hmm. leave you and go out with the girls <laughs> because right. I want time with my husband too. And so there, there were times I was really bad about that. I remember one night, my mm-hmm. sister and a couple of girls from church called and said, Hey, do you want to, we used to do this, go out for sushi every couple months. And, and my husband heard overheard me and I said, mm, I don't know if I want to do that tonight because uh, I kind of want to spend time with Brent. And my husband overheard me and he said, no, I think you should go. And I'm glad that I did. But sometimes maybe just even prioritizing in no way am I saying you should, you know, that it's going to be great for you to go out every every weekend. But sometimes saying, OK, it's um, you develop those relationships from time spent together. And so. Um, being able to do that, even if you're tired, I, I am part of it is different personalities. Like I am not somebody who necessarily enjoys, or at least if I'm thinking about it, I don't necessarily want to go out with the girls. I know that I'll have fun once I'm there, but it's hard for me to motivate myself to do it. Oh, and totally so body. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like to be home. I enjoy being home. You know, it's like that the joke about, you know, introverts who are excited when their plans get canceled. That's totally me. Like, oh, we can't right, go. Me too. Oh. I mean, I have to stay here. Yeah. I'm like, as I'm changing clothes back into the comfies, like, I'm like, hmm, so sad. <laughs> we had, um, Rachel, you were sick, so you couldn't go, but we had um, the, the Christmas women's breakfast yes. and oh, the so weather happy. was kind of icky. And I was like, Oh goodness. I, I don't know. I'd want to drive in this, you know, that's how mm-hmm. saying to myself. And I'm so glad that I did, that I did go and I went and it was wonderful. And I got to get to know some women that I haven't really had a chance to get to know. And it was absolutely a blessing. Sometimes I have to remind myself, I've never gone and thought, man, that wasn't worth it. I always mm-hmm go to these things and think that was really delightful. And I'm so glad that I went, you know, and I have to kind of remind myself of that for me, stepping out of my comfort zone sometimes. um, Cause I would just be a hermit. If if you let me, (laughs) my husband and I were um, talking the other night about what we want to do when we retire. And I said, um, well, if I could just find a place that's in the middle of nowhere, maybe on a lake and surrounded by mountains, and I don't have to see people very often, I'm <laughs> describing this whole thing. And he said, did you forget something? And I said, I don't think so. And aren't you, sh- are you sure? I think you forgot something. 
And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think I forgot anything. He said, you forgot about a church nearby. And I said, oh yeah, of course that too. <laughs> Not that I wouldn't oh, yes, think that of too. that, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think sometimes right. good for us to step outside our, our comfort. We'll talk later a little bit about how to cultivate some of those relationships, but um, because it's good for us, kind of like eating healthy and exercising might not be your <laughs> preference, <laughs> but it's it's good for you to sometimes step outside that comfort zone to cultivate those relationships. So one one thing I think is really important if you're in a situation and you don't have a lot of good friends, they don't they're not born overnight, you know. You don't necessarily meet someone on church on Sunday and by Friday, you're best friends. It takes some, um, you know, feeding the relationship and it takes time. Those, my closest relationships um, grew with time, with going through difficult things together, with being there for one another. But, you know, when you go through, when I know you have long, long time close friends, Rachel, Mm -hmm. when you've been through really difficult things together, you've seen each other at your absolute best and your absolute worst. There Mm -hmm. is um, there is something that happens in in bringing you close together and um, an intimacy. I think that's the word I'm trying to to get to that you develop because of the time and the things you've been through. You know, and some of my, my best friends and the ones that I've been friends with the longest are ones that I've known, like you said, more than 20 years, we were in college together. um, Some from childhood uh, that we've kept up with. And there's just all that shared experience. Like, so you, you remember things and refer back to things and, you know, but I also have some really deep friendships that are much more recent, right? That have are growing and developing because of of shared times or um, in the same church and time to spend together and grow together. And uh, I'm thankful for each of those because it's a different. Each one of those is a different type of relationship, but all of them are blessings and all of them are encouragements for me. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about, you know, you were talking about some of the challenges and, you know, it was difficult when I was, when I had little kids, right? Um, in some ways, uh, some things have gotten harder as my kids have gotten older. Like, it's not so much of that, hey, let's just go hang out at the park, right? Let the kids get together and let them go right. play in the playground and we'll sit and visit, you know? Um, so, there's there's less of that in my, even with homeschooling, my, my schedule is just more full of getting kids to activities and to credit classes and managing schedules. And um, it can be hard too. Like if you're, if you're homeschooling or working from home full time, if you're working outside the house full time, you know, a lot of get togethers and things tend to happen um, either during the workday or in the evenings when, when you're exhausted from the rest of everything. Right. So it can be, it can be a challenge to try to find the energy and the time to to get together. You know, uh, what I want to talk a little bit about church friends um, mm-hmm. because I think this is something I've thought about a lot. At church, you, you're definitely going to probably cultivate relationships with people that are in similar situations to you. I mean, I think that that just happens 
um, naturally to some degree. But I think it's it's so important in those church relationships to not limit yourself to that. Uh, mm-hmm. And maybe it's not going to be like if I I think of my very best friend in the world. We have kids the same ages. We've um, known each other for twenty six years now. We've we've been through a lot and things like that. I I mean that relationship is is special and. Um, and, and will remain special, but the thing that unites us in the church is Christ. And so someone that maybe you think you wouldn't even have much of a close friendship with may surprise you. Um, you know, I have a, I have a close relationship with a young, with a younger woman that not not in my church, but just as an example, where you know we have a specific type of relationship. She has little tiny kids, as you know, hasn't been married as long, and things like that. And yet we have a, a close friendship. But I think being a little bit more open in the church to, um, and I say this because somebody said to me, "Well, there's just." no one at my church with kids, my kids ages. And I can relate to that when we start going to um, a church uh, 20 years ago, we were the only one with young kids. And I felt like that, like, who am I going to be friends with? I'm the only one with young kids. But um, in trying to be proactive and develop relationships with some different sorts of people than maybe I normally would be friends with um, really brought some amazing relationships my way. I I became friends, friends with a woman that was um, that was 20 years older than me and her kids were grown and she had grandkids and she became such a a dear friend and a very different sort of relationship than I'd had before. I'd had mm-hmm. um, older women that I'd gone to for advice and stuff, but this was not that this was different. This was a close kind of peer relationship with people that the primary thing that united us was Christ. And we went through some hard things together. She went, you know, she, when she found out she had cancer, she called me when she got home from the doctors before she called her kids. Like, I just need to talk to somebody before I talk to my kids. And we developed um, a really special relationship. And so sometimes, sometimes there's something surprising in a special type of relationship. That's maybe not what you think you're desiring, but maybe what you need in a um, surprising way. That's really good advice. Um, I was thinking, too, and we were talking. We we talked about doing this on episode on on friendship. That you know, for all the the unnecessary drama and controversy, unnecessary controversy surrounding it. Uh, Amy Bird's book on why can't we be friends has some really great work in it, information in there on cultivating. You know, spiritual friendship, the friendship that we have with each other because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And the importance of it. And I was thinking about the number of places in the scriptures where, you know, we, 
we tend to like we've talked about this before. Friend is kind of like that downgrade word, like oh, we're just friends, right? Like that's just just a friend. But but friendship is is a deep relationship. It's it's very close. I mean, it's you know closer than a brother, right? The friend is closer than a brother. And I was thinking about the passage in Ecclesiastes that gets used all the time for weddings, but it's it's not specifically about husband and wife. It's about friends. You know, and it says the, you know, two are better than one because when they have, because they have a good return for their labor, for if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion, but woe to one who falls when there is not another to lift him up, right? And that, that idea of the friend and being friendless, being bad and how friends are helpful and they're with you, right? Um, it, you think about the relationships that Jesus talked about, the the friends. He was friends with Lazarus and Mary and Martha and, and other friendships that he had, what what close relationships those were. Yeah, I, I used the word intimacy mm-hmm. earlier. And mm-hmm. and we probably um think about that in terms of of marriage and you know, even the physical relationship. Um of marriage, but the the definition of intimacy is close familiarity or friendship, closeness. Um, and so there there is something, and and that's that's again something that's not um, not necessarily something that you have overnight, but it's something that you develop as you do life together. Um, a specific sort of intimacy, and I think it's a. It's even, um, as Rachel was talking about, when you're talking about brother and sister in Christ, there is a specific intimacy because of our unity in Christ, because it's Christ that unites us. We're united in Christ. And it's those relationships that are going to last, right? We know that in, from scripture that, you know, we're not going to to have uh, marriages. We're not going to have, you know, more, you know, get married, have children, that those kinds of relationship is not what, what we have. We have, we're united together and we're going to be together forever as brothers and sisters, as friends, uh, you know, friendship is the, are the relationships that last, right? That that's when we go into, you know, the new heavens, the new earth, we're talking about forever relationships. Um, you know, marriage doesn't last. It's not for the new world. It's, it's friendship. It's the connection that we have is being united to each other is reunited in Christ. So another thing that this psychologist said on this podcast, mm-hmm. um, and which was such an excellent point, and you know something that I have talked about um, a lot, is he believes that um, our tendency towards online relationships and kind of um, uniting over tribal ideals. Mm-hmm. has made us less flexible mm-hmm. in having relationships with people we disagree with. And I think this is such an excellent point. So um, I'll, I'll give an example of Facebook groups and how people split themselves into that. So there, there is a Facebook group for anything. Uh, I mean, it's everything. <laughs> everything and anything even in the reformed world there is a facebook 
group for reformed gamers and um, parenting, blah, blah, blah. All those things can be helpful. I'm, I'm not, I, I run a large reformed Facebook group, so I'm not disparaging these things. Absolutely. Um, but I think that if we do too much of that to the point where we just, um, so what, what he said is he feared that our tendency to do this online was spilling out into our real lives. So um, a lot of times historically before online, our close relationships um, were out of convenience. So um, your next door neighbor, people aren't as, it, people don't become good friends with their next door neighbors like they they used two years ago. But I grew up in in a neighborhood with lots of little kids and the parents um, didn't necessarily have a lot in common, but they were neighbors and their kids played together. And so this made them friends. They they voted differently. They went to different types of churches. Um, you know, my parents are Protestant, and our next door neighbors and across the street were Catholic. And my parents are Republican, and they were Democrat. And th- so there was a, a lot that was different, but it didn't matter because they found enough that united them. They didn't talk about politics and religion, right? Um. They talked about um, what teacher their daughter had for third grade because another person's daughter had that teacher for third grade two years ago, and they could talk about that. Um, you're right. I mean, that we have become much less flexible, much less tolerant to listening to other viewpoints and hearing things. Um, and I say we as a society, right? Um, you know, some of my best friends, some of the the longer relationships that I have, we have some pretty wildly divergent beliefs about things. Like we, and there are things that, you know, for over this many years, we just don't talk about. There are other things that, you know, we learn how to respect and listen to each other and and know that we're going to disagree. But it's not, it's just, it's not easy all the time, but it is certainly worth it to get to know and to hear uh, someone else's perspective. Um, one of my friends, we grew up, uh, her grandmother lived across the street from us and she's actually younger than me. She's my brother's age, but um, we've reconnected more recently and, and kind of bonded over some, some shared concerns in life. And um, We have very, very, very different viewpoints on lots of things, but it's been fun to get to know her and to talk to her and, and, and hear what she has to say. She's, got interesting ideas and she's um, different viewpoints, but it's, I like hearing what she has to say because it challenges what it may challenge what I think on something where I need to rethink through something uh, and just to get a different perspective about life. Yeah. You know, our life is really boring and we are never challenged if we only talk to people that we're in agreement with. I, I just, I, I don't even see how we can learn and grow if that's what we do. Um, and uh, let's say I have a friend that we differ on some things. It doesn't mean I'm going to be convinced of her position, but it may, it still is going to challenge me to learn and grow. 
-hmm. Maybe it's going to challenge me to be stronger in my position. Exactly. There's this, this guy that I'm acquaintances with online and, um, and he, um, grew up in the church actually in another country, but lives in the United States now. Um, and he grew up in the church and so did his wife and they're, um, they have, they have young, young children. And in the last um, few years, they completely have left the faith. And, but I still like to hear what he has to say because it challenges me. And I hope and pray that I can be an example of, of Christ to him. And some of the things that he has brought up, I, I've had to really think through some of his struggles. Okay, I need to recognize, you know, and be understanding and compassionate about this struggle that he that he has um, because of his experience in the church. We, Rachel, you and I see it with some of the abuse situations where, um. And we talked about the deconstructing and having more grace and understanding for people that have had bad experiences and are working through that. Um, oh, I just I just saw it this week with some Christians that this is just an online thing um, that were sitting there mocking and ridiculing another group that had a different view than them. And I just, it just, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me because I just thought, how is that going to do anything? Like if I right. just, if, and I, I thought about this, I, I really was kind of meditating upon this. If I think somebody is wrong, what, what's, what's my end, my end game. If I really think they're wrong, don't I want them to, change their position. If I think that they're, I mean, maybe they won't, but wouldn't I want them to be correct? I, I would hope I would want them to change their wrong think, right? And, and maybe I'm wrong. Um, but how, how do we get there and having a fruitful conversation far more than mocking and ridiculing them because I think that they're wrong. And I'm trying to, I'm tempted, trust me, to to do that and make fun of people that I think have stupid, ignorant views. Um, right. I, I mean, I do it in my own head and sometimes in private. And I, I know that's wrong, but um, I don't know just thinking about the end game instead of, I don't, I don't know what, I don't know where, we, how we got here. <laughs> well, no, I think you're right. Like it's, um, and, and, and two, in building friendships, if you want to have, have the standing to talk to someone and really change their mind on something really important, like really important things, you have to have some kind of, of built relationship with them where they're willing to listen to you. Like it, you can't, it cannot just be, you know, I'm going to tell everybody what to do and they're going to listen to me because they're just not going to. Like it's just not the way life works. So I'll give an example. I know we got a little bit off the friendship thing, but I do think that you can cultivate relationships if you approach the, these things the right way. I, I had 
written something on my Facebook a while ago that somebody had pointed out that there was two groups within the same community. So it, it wasn't in the like the Reformed Christian community, but you could use this example there too. But there was two different groups with two different positions within um, a certain online community. And one of the groups said, this is what I think and why. And the other group said, wow, how stupid you are. What an idiot for even thinking that. Your view is so wrong that there's not even any need to respond to it. And we see versions of this, like, oh my goodness, I cannot right. believe that they think that over there. They're so wrong. Like, why? I don't even need to respond. Everybody will obviously know that they're wrong. But this really bothered this guy. And he said, well, why not? Why not take time to maybe steel man their argument, you know, present like what you think is the best um, argument of their argument, even though you think that it's completely wrong. And so he um, encouraged doing that. Well, what is that? that causes the people that you think are wrong to maybe actually have a conversation and listen and say, okay, this is why I think you're wrong. And you have this kind of fruitful um, conversation. I watched people change their minds through this guy trying to encourage conversations. I watched people think through um, things, but then even let's say that you have somebody that you do that with, and maybe you don't walk away agreeing, but you do walk away respecting one another more and maybe understanding each other more. Um, so I know I got in a, we'll go back to the friendship thing, but I do think all, I, I think this can be helpful in those real life relationships because you will probably have people at church that you disagree with strongly. Um, maybe you Absolutely parent going to have people very, you with. yeah, maybe you parent very differently. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure the mommy war still exists. I'm not really in those circles anymore, they do. but okay. <laughs> um, if you use baby wise and your friend uses attachment parenting, it, it could be very easy to judge them for a very different way of parenting a baby instead of, hey, tell me what you like about that kind of parenting and why you chose it. You know, well, then you're really interested in finding out. It's not about trying to find someone to agree with you right. or to, to bolster your own opinions, but just learning about someone else, learning about what they think and why, and just because it's interesting to talk about something else. You know, like how do you yes. how do you do this thing? How do you see the world? Yes, yeah. and also remembering that we're that all of us are learning and growing um, till the day we die. Uh, about how this is related to friendship, because we have become so insular in our um, our groups and so um, you know, divided off and and you know just disconnected from others that disagree with us we tend to say okay I need to find someone to be my friend but they they need to we need to agree on all the same things about this and this or we can't really be friends and you know truthfully you can be friends and still seriously disagree about lots of things Right. As long as you have respect for each other and as long as you can work through, you know, the, the relationship and find ways to talk about things, you can be friends with people and truly disagree on, on many, many things. 
Yeah, it, I think the the big thing to remember is what is it that unites you? Mm-hmm. And even if you have a, a Christian friend that obviously you're united, united primarily because of Christ and um, being united in Christ, being part of the family of God, um, it. I think it's sometimes to find to, to unite on other things, which you absolutely should, um, but that but our unity in Christ should always be the most important thing. And so when you come to, Hey, we have a significant disagreement about such and such going back to, but we are united in Christ. We're, mm-hmm. um, we're God's children. We are sisters, brothers, brother, and sister in Christ. Um, first and foremost, that's a lot to yes. be united on. Um, it really is. We, we really should have more in common simply from that than from any, any other thing in our lives. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So um, I think I know that there's probably girls that are thinking, or we have gentlemen too. Oh, I wanted to point out one thing. I do know we have gentlemen that listen to us too. I had sent Rachel, um, I'd found kind of a survey and it said something very interesting. It said that boys um, tend to go to their parents for advice where girls, you know, often go to their, their best friend. Um, Boys will often go to their parents. I thought that was interesting. Definitely been my experience being the mom of boys that come, come to me for everything. So which I actually think brings up a good point, and that's the, the importance of, um, you know, those of us who are fortunate to have close family, you know, whether it's parents, siblings. My cousin is one of my best friends, and there, there's something special and unique about um, family relationships, too. Absolutely. And it's one of the things about cultivating, I mean, just cultivating friendship with your kids as they're growing up. Like I know, you know, we say, and, and rightly so that, you know, you're, you're a parent, not, not their best friend, right? That, and that's true, especially when they're young, but as they get older and as they become adults, you want the relationship to transition into friendship because, you know, they're responsible adults on their own. That's, that's the, that's the goal, right? And you want them to be friends, um, people that you'd want to be friends with. And you want to cultivate that kind of um, relationship where you, you talk to each other and enjoy each other's company and visit. Um, and so, you know, that's another another way to consider what friends we have. I know because I've talked to girls in the group that some of you are thinking, I, I want some of those relationships, but I don't really know how to go about it. Mm-hmm. And let, let me encourage you with this. I remember when I first moved to Colorado, it was hard. It it was, it was extremely difficult. I had a very, very hard time. And, you know, I, I left all these good friends that, you know, my husband and I had good friends twice a month on Friday nights, we got together with this group of friends our age. And, you know, I left all that behind. That was really hard. And, and I know I knew it was work to develop new um, relationships. Thankfully, there was when we'd been there probably about four or five months. This woman at church kind of befriended me, and 
and uh, invited us over for lunch after church. And and that that woman became ended up becoming a really good friend. I've I lost her to cancer a few years ago, but and it was it wasn't overnight. It it took time. And I remember um, we slowly started spending time together just here and there. You know, she'd say, hey, do you want to come over and and hang out? I'm going to be making jam, but you can come and sit and talk to me while I make jam this afternoon. And, and her kids were a little older than mine. So, and, you know, she said, and the kids can play with your kids and, you know, stuff like that. And it wasn't an overnight, but it was just little by little. And I remember it was a little, probably a couple of years from that time where I just, I needed a friend and some advice. And I called her and said, can I talk to you? You know, and it it took a while to get to that point. And I know sometimes you look at someone and think, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get to that point. Um, But be encouraged that it takes time and those relationships do develop. Um, I wanted to mention, I know there's a, I'm sure a lot of people have had the instance um, I where you click with somebody right away. And um, when years ago, my parents, I think it was my like a birthday party for my dad. And my parents had a new pastor and pastor's wife. And my mom said, Oh, I got to introduce you to our pastor's wife. I know you guys are going to get along. And we just had immediate chemistry and we sat and talked for hours that whole evening. And sometimes you have that, but sometimes you don't. Sometimes it takes a little bit more work and maybe it's not as easy, but you can still develop something that's really, really special. I've, I've had, I've met people before where I just didn't feel like I clicked with them very much. But then through time, I really developed a sweet, special relationship with them. So I guess my encouragement with that is, is giving it time to, especially the people in your own church. Any of the places where like, if you're, you're involved in your kid's school, you can always, um, you know, meet up um, and see if someone wants to you know, grab a coffee or, you know, visit while the kids play. You know, those are always kinds of things uh, or kind of simple things that you can do to, to reach out. Uh, or if, if you're involved in volunteering or another organization, you know, just look up, look up ways to strike up conversations with someone and, and ask questions to get to know them. Like, you know, Hey, you know, how are you today? What's going on? What are you up to this weekend? Or, you know, the things that you do and just be, just be open to, to learning about someone and listening. Um, that's a, and it's a good way to get started. Yeah, I, I maybe gave this example before, but when my husband and I were at um, a new church in Colorado, <laughs> my, my husband is very good at this because I would not naturally do this, but my husband like wrote a list of in a small reformed church, you can do this of every family in our church. And one by one, we had them over for, for dinner, for a game right. night or something like that. And maybe if you're, if you're not as outgoing, um, having couples over, I think is, you know, if maybe your husband's a little bit more outgoing than you or, 
Um, maybe that's just more comfortable. Is I think couple friends are great to have too. I always um, strongly encourage that because it's good to have couple friends, as I call them, and my dog's being noisy. She hadn't made noise the whole interview, and she said, I have to input for this episode. So now she's going to bark. <laughs> but that brings up another point, right? Like, you know, don't have kids. Um, maybe you're not married. Um, if you have pets, right, you can meet up with someone at the dog park. Or you can... Uh, if you have someone in your neighborhood and go for a walk around the same time they do, uh, one of my my aunts, one of her best friends, they started out as friends because they would meet every afternoon um, after work to walk through walk a couple miles through the neighborhood. That was and that was their time. They would visit while they walked, and that was their time to to be together. So you know, you can be creative about ways to find somebody to to get to know. Hey, I noticed even on the next door app, and mm-hmm. this was actually in my old house, where there was a group of women that said, Hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna walk two miles every Tuesday and Thursday. We're meeting at Donaldson Park if anyone wants to join us. <laughs> you know, sometimes something like that might be, huh, that's that's cool. I can maybe meet some meet some people. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll make a friend you didn't expect to. And I know I've talked before about that. I I really do believe the Lord can use non-Christian friends in your life too. Um, You know, my next door neighbor at my old house was a Mormon, um, but she was my next door neighbor for 18 years. And, um, you know, I care for her greatly. It's a different sort of relationship, you know, um, when you have a, brother, sister in Christ and somebody who's not, but you know, the Lord has used some of my non-Christian friends in my life too. Mine too. So um, we haven't mentioned it. I'm going to link our episode with Christina Fox. Um, yes. Closer than a sister. Another great book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is, it, it's the only and best book I know about friendship. Um. The excellent book. You know, we love Christina. In fact, I'll, I'll give a little heads up. She's got a new book coming out. We'll be having her on, I think, yeah. in the next month. She just, I, I adore her. So, and her, and her books. But I, I definitely recommend that. Um, and also pray. You know, um, if you're really struggling, you're like, I, I really want a good friend. Pray. You know, ask the Lord. We shouldn't neglect that. And um, I mentioned when we moved to Colorado and I didn't have anybody, I had lots of, Lord, you know, can you please um, introduce me to some friends? And and also be open to unexpected um, yeah. places. I had a garage sale. Uh, this is like probably 20 years ago. Now, I don't know. My kids were... We're still fairly young at the time. And a woman came to my garage sale and we started talking. Not only was she a Christian and a homeschool mom like me, she was also reformed. And that woman became a really good friend of mine. And, you know, we went to reformed churches at opposite ends of town. So 
we just had never, you know, met and she became a good friend. She's still a friend of mine today. And that's been, I think, yeah, I think my oldest was like around five or six. So close to 20 years ago. So you never know, might meet someone at the dog park or the playground or, you know, taking an afternoon walk. Yeah. Um, when uh, when I was in college, one of my best friends to this day, best friends, um, we met because we lived in the same dorm, but I hadn't met her. It was kind of mid first semester and she was outside talking with some other girls and um, I was coming back from something and it was late, but late in the evening and um, I was upset. I don't remember. We, we assume we can't remember what it was, but we assume it was so, about a guy because that would be typical for that time of my life. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but I was upset and teary and uh, she saw that I was sad. She came over and talked to me and we walked around the quad and around our dorms talking um, for a good while. Like we just visited and she lifted my spirits and we, you know, got to know each other and we really, it really was, we hit it off and have been close friends for, Oh my goodness. It's going on. A really long number of years at this point. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, so, yes. that's a, that's a, my my friend Mindy, who I'm still friends with to this day in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I went out with a guy like once or twice, and he happened to be friends with what was her fiance at that point, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she and I became friends. And I did did not date this guy very long at all, but she and I just hit it off. We were in the same dorm, but literally opposite ends. And, um, and the, uh, her and her family visit us sometimes. In fact, they're gonna, you might get to meet her because um, she's going to visit here sometime soon. And hey. then we've um, visit them whenever we can in Iowa. And, you know, it's, I, I'm so so thankful for her. You just never know how, how friends are going to come along. Yes. And, and I'm not making light of how hard it is. It can be really hard and certainly in different stages of your life. And with all the challenges right now with the pandemic and life just being absolutely crazy, uh, it can be very challenging. But um, you know, I just want to encourage you that you can, you can, be, you can find friends. Um, Lord willing, we'll be praying for each other to, to develop those friendships. Amen. So, um, Rachel and I have, we're going to be doing coming up just to give you a preview, a lot of good books coming out right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we love having authors on. And um, so, um, I will to talk about this. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a, a preview if anyone wants to like go shop for some books of authors. We hope to have Jasmine Holmes on. And Wendy Alsup and Christina Fox. That's three of them. There's others also, but those are those will all be repeat guests. So we love having repeat guests. So if you want to, if you're looking for some books to read in the new year, all three of those. I, Wendy's book is out. Jasmine's book is out. Christina's isn't out yet, but it will be soon. Well, I'll I'll put the the resources I mentioned in the episode notes. And so check those out if you haven't uh, listened to our episode with Christine or read her book. I highly recommend it. So we will see you next week. 